Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. We'd love for you to look at the sermon outline. We're finishing our series on what we call Rebuilding the Walls. Today we're talking about rebuilding the walls of broken relationships. And this beautiful subject of, of reconciliation I have to say it was one of the most blessed and special things that ever happened in our family. Um, Sharon had an uncle. His name was Uncle Frank and, and uh, his, her mom's brother. And he never had much interest in the Lord and most of his life. And we, we were there just right at the same time when, when I married Sharon, her, his daughter, Vicki, got married. And... Uh, she married a, just an incredible African-American brother. Well, that was the end of her relationship with her father for the next 20 years. There was a division in their house, and it was a, just a sorrowful experience for the next 20 years. But in about 20 years later, God started to move in, in Uncle Frank's heart. I don't know. He just began to become hungry. Well, he ended up having cancer, and so he became a little desperate. God put it on my heart to travel to Las Vegas when he was in the hospital. And when I got there and I started talking to him, the Holy Spirit fell. He just began to weep. God began to heal him. He got saved. In fact, he said, Dale, I want to get baptized now. I don't know if I'm going to get out of this hospital. I said, well, I don't know how to do that. And he pointed to the bedpan. It's the first baptism I've done with a bedpan. But anyhow, that's another stuff. But God not only saved him. Within just days and weeks, his whole heart changed. He called his daughter, Vicki. They reconciled. Beautiful, beautiful reconciliation with his grandchildren. He finally got to have a relationship with them. And, and God completely healed that family. How many know God is, is the reconciler of broken relationships? One of my favorite definitions of the word reconciliation is reconciliation is where sad stories end and new beginnings begin. And some of us have sad stories. We're estranged from people that we wish we weren't, and, and yet God is the God of, of reconciliation. And so this is one of the most beautiful gifts God gives. The, the word reconciliation means to turn antagonistic hearts into united hearts or simply to turn enemies into friends. God wants to not only do this for us, but he wants to, to do this through us. The, the biblical word is peacemaking, <laughs> peacemakers. In fact, I gave you these Beatitudes at the beginning of the series, but let's read Matthew 5, 9. And today I'm reading a lot from the message translation just because it's a fresh way of hearing this. But let's look at this together. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. As I was praying about this message, I was just so moved that I decided to literally let this message be a segue to the next series that we're doing and all about unity, reconciliation. And, and I'm calling it uh, the third option. And you saw the book there that I was promoting um, Many of you know the background of this. Last spring, after the tragic killing of, of George Floyd and everything, I began to fast, pray, just begin to feel overwhelmed, burdened uh, for our country. 
And I, I begin to feel like God was gonna do something. This is what I'm believing for, that this was a moment in history. Uh, Isaiah 61.4 is a verse the Lord gave me. I wanna rebuild the ancient ruins and restore devastated places, things that have been ruined for generations. God was saying, this is a time I want to heal America. <laughs> I, I want to do something in the soul of America so that our children and grandchildren don't have to grow up with all the wounds that the past generations have found themselves in, not only from racism, but all kinds of, of brokenness and hatred. And, and, and I just felt God just moving me. Pray, pray like you've never prayed that God will heal this, this broken part of our nation. And, and I began to research this, and someone recommended this book by Miles McPherson. He's a, an incredible African-American pastor there in San Diego, the Rock Church, this incredible church there. But when I read this book, The Third Option, I said, that's it. That's a prophetic message for America. It was just that good. And, and it was like, yes, I wish I could have said that. That's what I want. That's what God wants to tell America today. And, and so... I wanted to recommend that to you, and we're going to have these groups that discuss the subject, and, and I think it's going to be powerful. I, I learned a long time ago, don't waste a sorrow. When, when your world's going through something, don't just be an onlooker. Go to the Word and say, what does God's Word say about that? Did you know how we respond to this moment in history will make a big difference in our children and grandchildren? We're, we're teaching them right now, how do you respond to issues? And, and if, we're, if we're casual, if we're hard, they'll be casual or hard. But if, if they see in us a heart that says, God, what do you want to do in such a time as this? That will help them. And, and I know this has gotten all political. And, and believe me, I don't, I'm not trying to be political. But I know now it's all arguments and whatever people think and, and, and so forth. But that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, I think all of us agree that there has never been a time where there needs to be reconciliation in every level, political. And, and you know, you can't even hardly talk about it. I'm sure I might say something wrong, so forgive me in advance. <laughs> because everybody's so uptight, you know, and everybody's turning everything. In fact, this was kind of a little bit funny. I don't know. On our Facebook, they saw this title of my sermon, Rebuilding the Walls. And someone Facebooked me and said, are we going to make Mexico pay for it? I said, well, you know. <laughs> I said, you can't say anything without some political weird stuff happening. So anyhow, I'm not going there, okay, folks? What I'm going for is what Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. What I'm going for is God says, I want to use you to rebuild the devastation of the hurt of many generations. I want to go for what God says, you are the ministers of reconciliation. That's what God calls you. I want, to, I want to go there that God says, you are the salt of the earth. You're the lie of the world. You're supposed to show everybody how to respond in confusing times. You're not supposed to pick sides. You're not supposed to divide. You're supposed to say, here's what Jesus would do. So let's try to figure that out together. Amen? So that's what we're going to be working on. And today, we're looking at example from Nehemiah's life. Nehemiah was an amazing peacemaker. So let's go to Nehemiah. Chapter 5, verses 6 to 13, and let's read it together. When I heard their outcry and those charges, I was very angry. How many know holy people get angry sometimes, all right? And I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, 
You are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have brought back our fellow Jews who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your own people only for them to be sold back to us? They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people money and grain, but let's stop charging interest. Give back to them immediately their fields, their vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest you're charging them, 1% of the money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, in this way may God shake out of their house. I mean, oh, God needs to do some shaking in the house of the Lord and possessions, anyone who does not keep this promise. So may such a person be shaken out and emptied. And at this, the whole assembly said, amen, and praise the Lord. And the people did as they promised. Long story short, we've been learning that they were rebuilding these walls, and it was, it was a critical project. It was the healing. It was the creating of their future. And they had a very short window to do it. But right in the middle of rebuilding, they stopped everything. Why? Because Nehemiah heard that there was, there was financial injustice going on, that there were the certain noble people that were gouging people with interest, they were, they were overcharging them. They were taking advantage of the crisis that was going on. As a result, some of the poor people were actually selling their daughters into slavery. And it was just abhorrent. They, were, they had to do stuff to just survive. And, and Nehemiah stops everything and he says, enough is enough. Come on, let's, let's, let's deal with the hard stuff here. And, and, and they do and they... And they they reconcile, and when they do, the blessing of God returns on the project, and just a few weeks later, victory comes. Now, many people would say, well, couldn't they have waited till after the project? You know, couldn't they have just sort of, hey, just, let's just keep everything cool. We've got some issues, but everybody's got issues. But no, because Nehemiah was revealing the heart of Jesus. Here's some observations. Number one, that reconciliation is always God's priority. You can't move forward into God's destiny unless you're willing to stop and make things right in your relationships. You, know, you can't say, well, this is broken and I'm offended with them and this is messed up, but we're still going to have a great future. No, God doesn't say that. He says, first, take care of relationships. Look at this verse. If we could look at Matthew 5, 23, Matthew 5, 23 to 25. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, somebody say first. First, go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. I, I just, I remember telling my kids this, I'm telling people this all the time. You can't get to God's future unless you know God's way of healing your relationships. Because if you don't heal your relationships, that brokenness will destroy God's future for your life. This is, this is at the heart, and, and this is at the heart of, of God's will for the church. 
He says, I want my people to be one. Why? Because he says, if you don't love each other, the world's not going to be one. <laughs> you're not going to be the salt of the earth if you're all divided and, and, and you're selfish and you're offended and you got chips on your shoulder. God says, you don't know how important this is. Unity matters more than anything to me. Uh, second, just observation, God used Nehemiah to be part of the solution, even though he wasn't part of causing the problem. People need our help. They need our prayer and encouragement when they're going through times of division and brokenness in their lives. We don't just say, hey, you guys, I hope you'll get your act together. No. We're called to be peacemakers. Well, I didn't cause those problems. I know. And Jesus didn't cause sin, but he came and died for it, okay? Well, you know, they got to figure it out. No, we got to figure it out. When it comes, and we're going to really go into this a little more next week, but, you know, when it comes to this whole things of racial issues, you know, a lot of people just, well, I'm not racist. And, and many people, and, and I love what Tony Evans, amazing pastor, what he says. He says, he says you know why that 11 o'clock Sunday morning is still the most racially segregated hour in America? It's not because racists hate each other. It's because we have chosen tolerance instead of reconciliation. Well, I'm not against you. I, you're okay. You're okay. But, but God doesn't want you to tolerate people. God wants you to love people. <laughs> he wants you to make peace. He wants you to take initiative. He wants you to hear their hearts. He wants you to, to build bridges. Now, that's a whole other thing. Are you okay with that? And, and God is saying it's not good enough that you just say, I'm innocent of this issue, God says, why don't you let me use you to help those who don't have the spirit of God in them <laughs> so that there can be healing in the world around. Are you guys okay with this kind of preaching? I know it's a little tough. All right, here we go. I want you to see number three, peacemaking isn't just about covering things up, it's about making things right. Um, you see, walking in unity does not mean we don't ever make mistakes. It means we make things right because we make lots of mistakes. But to make things right, we have to be honest about hard truths. And, and a lot of us, see, there's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. Peacekeeping is no, don't rock the boat. Come on, come on, just everybody, let's pretend everything. How many know there's a lot of families today? You walk in. Nobody's screaming, but you can cut the tension with a knife. You say, I don't know what's going on, but there are some skeletons under this carpet. I don't know what it is. And, and why? Because they're peacekeepers. They're saying, nobody talk about that. We don't talk about that. We don't, just don't deal with it. We just say, you know, don't, don't stir it up. Don't, just ignore it. Just ignore it. It'll go away. No, it won't go away. And Jesus told us, if you're offended, go to your brother and tell him, I'm offended. No, that would be weird. I think I'll just change churches. That's easier. Or I'll just go to another service so I don't have to see her. Or now I'll just watch online. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry, guys, not good enough for Jesus. He's called us to have courage. He says, if you want to grow, speak the truth in love. Speak love, be loving, but speak truth. Well, truth makes people weird. No, truth makes things healed. When it's spoken in love, 
when, it, when, it's, when it's brought to the surface, and so one of our sermons is going to be how to have these conversations, but anyhow, one kind of weird example, but it's, it's the one I can think of. Many years ago, I had some friends on our staff in El Paso, and we would joke with each other. They'd make fun of me. I'd make fun of them. It was real good. It was just good fun. But one day, I don't know, they started kidding me, and it was about my singing. Now, this seems as innocent as it could be. And it was like, I don't know, something about Kermit the Frog or something. I don't know what it was. But, uh, but they were just saying, you know, they were encouraging me. I think it was Nil Vanilla or something. Just, just don't go get up there and sing, Pastor. Just make it. Whatever it was. Well, I laughed. I didn't make anything of it. But you know what? When I got home, I was hurt. And, and I was offended. And, and it didn't just go away, all right? It didn't go away. I, I, the next morning, I was still offended. And I was thinking thoughts. I didn't want to think about those guys. And, and of course, I didn't want to say anything. They're going to think, I'm a, what? you can't take a joke. You know what I'm saying? And, and so I was just burying it. And I remember the Lord said, Dale, and he gave me that verse in Hebrews, don't let that which is lame be turned away, but rather let it be healed. Come on, bring it to the light. And I just had to get with them. I said, guys, I know this is so weird, you know. But you hurt my feelings. And I'm just telling you this. And I don't want you to, you know, crawl on your knees or anything. I just got to tell you this. And, of course, they were said, I'm so sorry. We pray. But then something real strange happened. They, they asked the Holy Spirit to come. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit revealed an experience I had when I was, like, seven years old. Some of you know my brother, Tommy Walker. I have a whole family of amazing musicians, world-famous type stuff. And I remember they would always get the attention, and I would sit at home, Dale, you go sit back there, because your brother's going to sing, you know. Now, this is silly, but the Lord says, Dale, you're still rejected over that. And then they prayed for me, and God healed me. You know what? You can make fun of my voice now, and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Why? Because instead of just burying it up, I let God heal something in my life. And if you just cover things up, you just become hard. You don't become healed. And so we need the courage to say, things aren't right in our relationship right now. But I love you. And if we can't work this out, let's call somebody who'll help us. Because this is too important. Look at this quote by Tony Evans. Biblical reconciliation is not just tolerance, but addressing the sin that caused the divide for the purpose of bonding us together to a shared commitment to Jesus Christ with the goal of service to others. Fourthly, peacemaking and reconciliation comes from looking at people and divisions in our world from God's perspective and not from a human perspective. Immediately in Nehemiah 5.9, what does Nehemiah do? He, he steps back and he, and he gives them a perspective. He says, what are you doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of God to avoid the reproach of the Gentiles? He said, you're going to need another perspective to resolve the deep divisions that are there in your life. And here, here's where we come to this, this title, the third option. And, and we'll unpack this later. But, but what, what uh, Pastor Miles does in such a beautiful way is he says, he, he's talking about perspective. I think it was Albert Einstein said, we can't solve problems with the same kind of thinking we had when we made those problems. 
if we have the same perspective as we've always had, we'll continue in the same divisions we've always been divided over. We need to think of another option. We need to think of God's perspective. What happens in our life is that we get entrenched in our points of view. And we are right, we are right, we are so right, we are dead right. How many have ever won an argument and lost a friend? Well, great, you won an argument, now your wife won't talk to you, congratulations, you're brilliant. Really? Because we begin to be hardened in our pride. This is it. We are right, we are left, we are Democrat, we are Republican, we are this view, we are that view, we are us and those are them. Now here's where the heart of division comes. Us and them. Us and those people. Now those people may have a different skin color, or those people may have a different political opinion, they may have a different socioeconomic a different gender, a different political view. But what is important is we begin to harden ourselves in a position that says, okay, everybody on my side, you're on my side, and everybody on that side, you're on that side, and, and we divide. Now, if you look at this verse in Joshua 5, 13, I just love it because it's a picture of what I think God's saying in this time. Joshua and them are about to go into the promised land to, to receive the promised land. But right before they do, Joshua is going to kind of go check out Jericho. He's kind of going to go pray. And so he was praying in this, in this occasion. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? How many of this is our favorite? Are you on our side? Are you on that side? And I love the Lord's reply. Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? You know what God said? I'm not for their side. I'm not for your side. I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. Get on your knees, boy, right now and humble your heart before me. God isn't interested in taking sides. He's interested in bringing healing and bringing peace. He's interested in restoring and not letting us grow apart and regret when we're older. Wow, I wish I still could talk to my brother. He's about a third option, and that option isn't their opinion, it's not your opinion. Because if you'll turn it over to God, he'll create an option that's his opinion that creates healing. And reconciliation. I think one picture I got of this, a, a pastor from Argentina, Juan Carlos Ortiz, I remember him talking. And, and he came, they were very, finances were really tight in his growing up and, and with his kids. And so they would once a week get a Coke, but only one Coke for all their kids, all their two kids, you know, and, and them. So they would have to divide the Coke and they would give each one their little glass of Coke. How many know what kids do when you pour a glass and their brother has a glass? <laughs> they all come together. He's got more than mine. I see a bubble more than my bubble. 
And inevitably it would be, Dad, which side are you on? You gotta, you gotta do something. This isn't right, you know, and it's just a, this whole fight. And of course, what, what would Juan Carlos do? He would take his cup and he would pour it in both cups because he wasn't trying to get his point of view across. He was trying to bring peace and healing. And God says, that's what I've called you to do, to be the peacemakers. I've called you to see a third option when everything is divided and heated. I've called you to just humble yourself and believe that God always has a beautiful third option. And this, this really jumped out at me because I have learned over the years Satan's way is to convince us there's only negative options in our life. And, you know, if you just think about it, you look at how many tragic things happen because people only see negative options. How many divorces come because only option they can see is I'm going to live here miserable or I'm going to get a divorce. What if there was another option? How many abortions because I can't, this terrible situation, poverty, or, 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 or options of, of things like suicide. That's the most heartbreaking of all because they can't think of an option. Or an option like abandoning the family or, or going into an addiction because the only options they saw is it doesn't matter anyhow. Life is too messed up. It hurts too much. When 1989, when I went through a, a mental illness, a depression, I, I thought only two options. One, I'll die being a pastor or I'll quit the ministry because I had this problem. And I almost quit the ministry. And God gave me this verse. And I just want to read to you uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation. Because God told me, when all you can see is negative options, I always have an option. <laughs> when all you can see is despair, I have an option of hope. When all you can see is victimhood, I have victory. When all you can see is division, I have an option of unity. Now, look what he says. We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. Come on, say it with me. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial... Come on, let's read it together. God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Come on, give the Lord praise. Hallelujah. What an incredible God. And God delivered me from my depression. I had to get help. But God says, don't you quit and don't you despair. Humble yourself. I have another answer. I have another option for you. And I speak that because someone's in a corner right now, somewhere in your life, and all the options you're thinking of are bad options. Please, please, I beg you, let's pray for you. He's a God of hope. He has a way of escape. And he has an option for all the divides in our country, whether it's racial, whether it's hatred, political, whether it's financial, social, and just, whatever it is. 
But we've got to quit pointing fingers and choosing sides, and we've got to get on our knees. And we've got to hear from God. Reconciliation comes when we quit trying to force others to agree with us, but we are humbled in our spirit and are willing to agree with God. This third option, and we'll be going into it, is called reconciliation. It begins with the option of looking at people and seeing them as God sees them. It, it begins with this incredible word, grace. You see, I want you to, we're gonna read a verse here, but I want you to, to recognize that in the Old Testament, it looked like there was only two bad options. There was this holy God who loved people, but he's also absolutely moral and just. He has laws, eternal moral laws that he cannot violate. And then there's these human beings, and many of them wanted to know God, but, but they had this sinful nature. And this sinful nature would cause them to violate God's law. And every time you read the Old Testament, they would start to get, right to get it together with God. They'd go right back to their old ways. Sound familiar? And so it looked like there was no option. What is the option? Well, the option one was wipe them all out and start over. Thank God he didn't choose that option. Another option was throw away your moral law, God. How many know that would have just been chaos? He could have told people, You've got to improve and you've got to keep all these laws. But that wouldn't have worked. So there's no hope. Oh, yes, there is. God sends his only begotten son. The only one who has or ever will be perfect. Who keeps all the moral laws. And how many are thankful that he dies in our place? And all of the wrath and the judgment that we deserve. And Jesus Christ, by his grace, forgives us, heals us, makes us right with God, gives us an ability to come before God and be loved and cherished, to live with all the walls down, to live with all the hate gone, to live in a relationship with God from which we can heal every other relationship. That is what God's option is all about. Amen. Look at this verse in the message translation of 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. I just love this. Matthew 5, 16. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We look at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone. A new life, virgins. Look at, look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sin. And God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We are Christ's representatives. God uses us to per persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Be become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. Isn't that awesome? I love it. Let me read that again. Become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. How, you ask? In Christ. God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Amen. Now you just heard 
how God plans to heal all the wounds and divisions of the world. It begins when we see that whatever we think of people, God sees them of eternal intrinsic value. They're made in the image of God. They are, they are worthy of honor and value. God has given every one of us a call and an identity. We gotta go beyond the identity of whatever, our race, our political term, our social status. Our real identity is we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. That's deeper than anything else. And at the heart of that is this awareness that God so values people that he thought it was worth coming and dying the most cruel death on a cross so that every one of them could be forgiven of their sins. And he says, now you have one mission in life, and that is to take this heart of unconditional love and compassion to all people so that all could be reconciled to him and through that ability have reconciliation with each other. It begins when we realize how much we are loved. Can I just say it this way? If you're not reconciled within yourself and with God, you can't help anyone else get reconciled. If you don't know how valuable you are, See, you're gonna love others as you love yourself. If you don't know your worth and dignity in God, you're gonna judge people, you're gonna tear them down because you're gonna think the only way for me to get up is to destroy someone else. But if you know how love, friend, you are loved, you are treasured, you are cherished, you're the apple of his eye. You're his daughter, you're his son. When you begin to feel that love and when you are fully reconciled, when you have no more guilt in yourself and you have no more shame because you've let the blood of Jesus wash you clean, when you know you are favored of God, you're his son, you're gonna reign with him. When you know how strong you are and how favored you are and that nobody can take anything away from you, that all of their attempts to tear you down aren't as big as God's promise to build you up. When you know your identity, you don't have to live in the hurt and the woundedness of this culture anymore. He wants to heal you. Be reconciled today if you don't know Christ. If you're not forgiven, if you're not healed, come to Jesus today. Let him restore your life. When you receive that, you can begin to give it to others. And, and finally, the God's third option comes when we believe that the change we want to see in others around us begins with the change we, we let God do in us. Now, here's something huge, okay? Everybody wants God to change the world. We're just not too sure we want him to change us. How many would be, agree, you want God to change your kids? Amen! Do you want to change? Well, what do you mean? You want to take personal responsibility <laughs> for the issues you've not dealt with, the, the hurts you've not healed, the wrongs you've not resolved and made right? Do you, want to, do you really want to change the world? As, as God famously said, we have to become the change we want to see in the world. Are you willing to become the change? Don't just get up there and yell, hey, everybody, you need to change. <laughs> do you want to change? And I'll share more next week, but you know, I never felt too deeply with some of these issues because I didn't think it affected me. I was very comfortable with tolerance. I just tolerate, I like everybody. But I haven't done that much, as much as I could, 
to take those extra steps to go find people that feel wounded and hear their pain. I said, well, I'm good. I'm good. I like people. Well, Jesus didn't just stay up in heaven and say, I'm good. He entered into the drama of the hurt of a broken world. He understood. He felt. He asked the question. He, he built the relationships. He, he walked in people's shoes. He, he understood their pain. He helped them work through their issues. He walked with them. He listened to sometimes hours upon hours as they tried to unpack their childhood or whatever it was. He cared about them in their addictions and said, there's a reason that you're, you're stuck there, but I'm not giving up on you. I'm, I'm here, and I'm going to show you a way out of this. He, he entered into all of that, not because he had to, not because Nehemiah had to, but because he said, God called me to. This is, if I could say it this way, this is what Jesus talks about in Matthew 7 when he talks about if you really want to change the world, don't look at the, don't look at the speck in your brother's eye, right? Look at the telephone pole you got in, in your own eye. You know, I, I've learned this. I'll get to the scripture in a second, but it's pretty convicting, so get ready. But anyhow, I, I know in my own life, can I tell you the hardest thing to repent of is when you're 95% right. At least you think you're right, 95% right. But to really face, well, what about the 5%? Well, I'm mostly okay. Yeah. But there's part of you that needs still to be faced. I'm sure any couples here, you've had some of those kind of discussions that Sheridan and I have had and you know, you know, why are we hurt? And, and well, you know, it's, we always think it's mostly them, right? Here's a famous one. Well, the problem is you're too sensitive. No, the problem is you're too insensitive. Which one is right? Both are right. But I'm convinced the problem is that she's 95% too, in, too sensitive and I'm only 5% too insensitive. You know what I'm talking about? And one time God said, if you'll spend 100% of your time being honest and letting me deal with the 5%, I'll deal with her 95%, even though it's not really 95%, whatever it is. Would you be willing to say what's in my heart and forget about them? It doesn't matter about them. I can take care of them. How many of you know you've never healed a relationship by fixing somebody else? You just make them mad. But if you can humble yourself enough, if you can be before God and say, God, I will give 100% of, of my time to deal with the 1% that I think is my problem, man, God will do miracles. He will change you, and when he changes you, watch what he does in the people around you. He will transform you. He will transform your world. So let's go ahead and read this, Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Again, the message translation. Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults. Unless, of course, you want the same treatment. That critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. 
It's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you? When your own face is distorted by contempt. It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. Playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. And everybody said, ouch, okay, ouch. <laughs> got me, Lord, got me, Lord. But can I tell you how remarkable humility is? Philippians 2 said, he says to the people at Philippi, he says, why are you always fighting, disputing, dividing, tearing each other down? Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. He was God. He didn't hold on to his rights. He didn't wave before the world all the good things he was and justify himself. He laid everything aside. Took on the form of a servant. He took our sin. He humbled himself is the, is the defining word of the whole chapter of Philippians 2. He emptied himself. He said, God, do a fresh work in me. God, take out that big beam in my eye. Please, God, give me ability to see how they see and feel how they feel. Let your kindness begin to flow in me, this unconditional love. Man, can you imagine the power of unconditional love? Which says, I, don't, I know you don't agree with me. You, you, you're against everything that I stand for, but I love you. I love you unconditionally. I value you. I absolutely will lay down my life for you. It changes everything. It changes and tips the whole formula to make room for God. I have found that if we get enough kindness by knowing the grace of God, humbling ourselves, forgiving others, and I'll talk all about forgiving. Forgiving is just knowing that you're not going to make people try to heal the pain that they caused you because they're never going to do it. But Jesus can heal that pain, so you let them off the hook. But if you'll go the way of the cross, God will start to restore you in your spirit. The next thing you know, your relationships will change. I'll never forget this other couple. I was just remembering this yesterday. Rod and Carolyn Zintek, bless their heart. Carolyn came to the first church I pastored, and she was already kind of middle-aged by that time, but we were just kids starting off, and, and I remember she had been divorced. Her and Ron were divorced. She was, she was hard. You know, she had been hurt by her husband, and, and, and she came, and, and she just started coming, and she started crying when we worshiped. I could see the Holy Spirit working on her heart. One day, she just came to the cross. She gave her life to Jesus Completely, I just never forget the glow and the smile and the healing. I remember her talking about Ron. You know, she said, I was kind of afraid to talk, to get too close to God because I thought maybe he'd force me to go back to Ron, which I'd never do. He was so unmanageable, whatever he was. He, I just, I'll never go back to him. So, you know. 
But she keeps coming. One day, Ron shows up at church. And he was. Well, he was a, he was a case. But anyhow, <laughs> I remember him watching me preach. just has his arms like this. Try to tell me something that interests me, Pastor. You know what I mean? And, and, and yet he kept coming. One day, the same thing happened to him. And the Holy Spirit touched his heart. And I'll never forget the day that they came to me and they said, Pastor, I don't know what happened. We just kept receiving more grace. And now we can't remember why we hated each other. <laughs> and all we know is that our hearts are softer and softer. Would you remarry us? <laughs> and I'll never forget that ceremony. They didn't try to fix anything. They just came to the cross. They just came to the Savior, the Reconciler, and let him change their heart. Would you bow your heads with me? Holy Spirit, I pray today as we begin a journey to a greater reconciliation in every area of our life that we would see healings, we would see restorations that amaze us and shock us. If you're here today, the most important question is, are you reconciled with yourself? Are you reconciled to God? Do you feel peace in your heart? So you can't love others if you haven't forgiven yourself. If you're running from God, there's no peace. If you're trying to justify your past, there's no peace. But if you'll come to Jesus and just humble yourself, ask for his forgiveness. Tell him, I want to come back to you, God. He's not only going to forgive you, he's going to pour his love and favor in your soul. He's going to make you the kind of person that can love yourself, feel super comfortable in your own skin because... You're a daughter of God. You're a son of the King of Kings. It's going to wash away the regrets. It's going to start to heal and restore your, your spirit, mind, your emotions, every part of you. When he heals you, you'll literally become an unoffendable person. You'll become something that people just can't, they can't break your spirit because you're too full of God. You're too full of love. And if you want that life, Right now, I want to invite you to pray with me wherever you are, watching online or here. And you would just agree and say, Pastor, I need to be reconciled to God. It's, it's really a heart move. It's something you do in your heart. And you just say, God, it's me right now. I need prayer. I need forgiveness. I face the elephant in my closet. I face the unconfessed sin, the pride, the arrogance, whatever that is. I admit it to God. I need forgiveness. I need to make some things right in my life. Please forgive me, God. If that's your heart, I'm going to just invite you to just say, yes, Jesus. In fact, if you would, would you just raise your hand right now if you're saying, I'm getting reconciled. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. That's so beautiful. Thank you. And Right there at home, just say, here I am, God. I'm getting reconciled right now. I'm coming to you just as I am. Forgive my sins. 
I believe you died for me and rose again. I believe you took all that I've done wrong to the cross. And I let it go now. I accept your forgiveness. You promised if I would believe in my heart, confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, I would be saved, forgiven, reconciled, healed, back with you. I take that step now in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, come. Speak to their heart. Let them just sense that peace, the peace of your love coming in, touching them, healing them, restoring them. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me just pray for you. Some of you are on a reconciliation journey. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with a friend. But you know there's some things not right today. And I don't have the answer as to how to go make it right, but the Holy Spirit will show you if you're willing. And just tell the Lord right now, God, I, I'm not going to blame them anymore. Instead, I'm going to ask you, what do I need to change? Show me, Lord. Is there anything you want me to do to make it right? Maybe it's just in my heart. I forgive them now. I just leave it at the cross. Or maybe it's... It's an attempt to apologize or humble myself or be willing to ask others to pray for us. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm willing to take that journey towards reconciliation. Help us, Lord. Help us be healed. We really need your help, Lord. And then lastly, would you just say, God, I'm not only willing to be reconciled, but I'm willing to become a peacemaker, to go beyond just tolerating people to follow the example of Jesus and to go way beyond my comfort zone in whatever ways I can heal a wound, hear a heart, build a bridge, take a step, enlarge my spiritual family to include people that are left out. Whatever it is, Lord, I say yes to that. Now, Lord, bless you. The Lord keep you and make his face shine upon you. The Lord give you peace and be gracious to you in the name of the Father, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.